in your dog for a walk around Dingley Village or out in Deer Park, wherever you are. It's good to have you. Seb, how are you travelling, mate? Oh, fantastic, Tom. We are here. We've just gotten through what would have been grand final weekend. It wasn't a great weekend in Melbourne weather-wise, so I'm sort of glad we've got another four weeks of footy before that great day in October this year. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I think, were they calling it Ghost Grand Final Day? A bit of a, well, I've tried to forget this day, a bit of, a bit of 09 about it with the, with the damp conditions. But yeah, look, I'm off the top. I've, I've got to say, Gil, please get rid of this bye. It, it's got to go. It's just a, it was a bit of a flat weekend. You know, I know they tried to, to drum it up with uh, the awards uh, on the later in the week, but it, it just, that momentum that you'd built at the end of the season, it's just gone. So I, I felt it was a bit of a flat one. So we're, we're here to get our listeners and get everyone back and up and about for the finals. How did you, what was your take, Seb? Yeah, it was flat from a footy point of view, but I, I didn't miss the footy. I'm used to racing coming into the vernacular at this time of year. Yeah, true. Uh, and look, it's been no secret. This is Gil's baby. I've made mention of that a few times. And... I don't see the point behind it. I don't see what it achieves. Um, there was one game in 2015 where Brad Scott rested half of the Ruse team, and that was considered to be a blight on the competition, so therefore we have to have this bias, so there's no reason to do that. However, if that situation came up again, I'm sure Brad would still probably look to rest the senior players, and you get players resting all through the year. Geelong are prime examples of that. Um, and then you have this shortened year with COVID and we're going to try and seek the games in closer together. But sorry, we're going to have a buy here and just kill all of them. Momentum. Yeah. You've got rugby on in the heartland now. Like, yeah. It could have been AFL. Just madness. They, they, they've gone mad at AFL house. I'm I'll, with touch, you. I'll like, touch on that later too. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, yeah, like I guess, yeah, with the resting thing, you know, the the ruse did it because they could. You only rest in a game that won't affect where you're going to finish on the ladder. If the ruse could have finished higher, then they would have put a full team in. So it's a, it's basically a dead rubber either way. But now we, yeah, have this week. Anyway, we, we digress because... Yeah, as I mentioned before, so they they did try and, and mix it up. I got they got the uh, all Australian team and the Rising Star and the Coaches Award and Players MVP all on the one uh, session. So you you would have seen that, but I, I think you'll find uh, our awards. So we're we're going to have a crack at them uh, coming up, and we've got a few different uh, categories. But yeah, I mean, how did you think that went? Putting all those awards together, Seb. Uh, well, they didn't have the key award being the Brownlow, the most prestigious award in the AFL. Uh, they announced a squad of players who might be selected for the actual All-Australian team, and then they do not select players in their positions in said team. Um, you will have seen followers on Twitter at 12 Rows Back. I tweeted out the heat map of some of these yeah. so-called forwards and Real, the amount of time stuff. and ball they found down board was minuscule. Now, <laughs> someone said, oh, you could argue that you'd rather have those players in your side than the others. Well, yes, but if you look at GWS of maybe three or four years ago, they had a lot of players that you might have rathered in your side, but they didn't operate as a team. And that was, you know, you can put, if we want to call it just the best 22 players in the comp, we can call it that, but it's the All-Australian team and we have to have two Ruckmen and we want a crumbing forward and a this and a that. They never get a key – sorry, they get key defenders. They never get a, a small defender who can just lock down the opposition small forward, which 
might be handy if you're going up against a team with a gun small forward, but what do I know? I've just been watching footy for the best part of 25 years. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, off uh, before we came on, you did mention, you know, obviously they, they don't play anyone, so they're not really tied to, you know, matchups. But it, I, I, look, I, I'm with you. I, I think it could be good to see. I mean, it, there's all these quirks and all these things, but just pick an actual team, you know, not not... Yeah, like you said, the best players. I mean, no, and I the the thing with the argument is I don't I don't want to pot any of the players on there. They all had great years. Uh, I think poor old Cam Guthrie's probably been in the gun as a bit of a surprise, given he is a wingman who played seventeen percent there. I'm one of those that was a bit surprised with that. Um, McRae on the other side played even less, but um, yeah, look, it, that's what it does. The All Australian team it, it just it stirs up, stirs people up. I don't think there's ever been a team where everyone's happy, but um, look. I'm, I was just happy because Jack Steele was in it. That's all I wanted. I thought Butler was stiff, but if Jack Steele wasn't in there, then you would have heard me taking aim. That's for damn sure. Do you reckon we've got a direct line to Gill yet? Because I've got an idea that would really make this. <laughs> well, you, so, you came up with some radical ones earlier in our uh, earlier in the year, so you're on. You get on to something here. So what have you got? I've, well, I've already outlined sort of a four point plan to actually make this weekend mean something. Yeah, and I. This, this, I really believe this. Have a wild card round. So seventh plays tenth and eighth yep. plays ninth. That. And that would mean the D's would have had a shot, probably got their hearts broken that little bit more. Uh, who finished tenth? Uh, the Giants, I reckon. Yep. But hey, you don't want to play last year's grand finals in a wild card round. Anything could happen. So it would have been what? Collingwood, Melbourne, and Dogs, Giants. They're, they're, yep. I mean, that's a modern day rivalry of sorts. And yep. you know, they've tried to get clash and, and tried the to Queen's get, birthday. Yeah, they tried to get that clash. one going. Uh, so you have that. So there's there's two games you're going to play. You roll your Brownlow. So I reckon you can have your Brownlow on the Sunday night or the, or the Monday night. Yeah, Sunday, but instead yeah. of having it deep in the finals when half the teams have gone off and and they're on their end-of-season breaks and, you know, players in Adelaide are arrested for possession of drugs and, and <laughs> you know, all these other things have happened. Um, you, can break, you can bring that forward and have it on this weekend or nothing. And... This is what they should do with the all Australian side. So you have instead of just picking a best twenty-two, have a first and a second team, and honour the players with a first and a second. And, and I've seen some people. There's two. There's a couple of schools of thought here. In it doesn't matter. It's a team that plays no one. So why should we care who gets picked where? Other players have their um, selections in the Australian teams directly tied to bonuses in contracts. So for some of them, it does actually mean something. But this is what I want to see. On Thursday night, you have, and I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to think of two good media personalities outside of your good self or my good self who would do this. But, we, we would be available, um, by the way, if this was to ever get up. Uh, look, rest his soul, Spud Frawley, he'd be perfect yeah. for this. Having him and Chief... Ooh, and they yeah, just go one on one, and they just pick their best twenty-two based on their performance this year. So you could have a pool of sixty or seventy, or the way I actually think it should be done. In that, you have your five ruckmen, have your five pull forwards, centre forwards, and you can mix around positions. But they have to actually be listed at those positions. But they both sit there and pick a best twenty-two, and you could turn it into a TV event, get some marketing, get some sponsors, get some ad time. People would watch it, you know, it would it'd just add a little bit more than this bunch of selectors that just just don't 
they they reward players for four good years in a row rather than just this year. Yeah, and they, that, that's all. That's they've when always we talk got about those quirks, you know. Yeah, that that players haven't had good seasons leading up, but they've had good years now. They haven't earned their spot in it yet. You know, they've yeah. got to give it some but, time. Yeah, and they've always got some number to back it up as to why so and so was left out. And I get it; it's hard, but put them on live TV, and can you imagine like they'd get it wrong and it'd become funny, and we'd be able to enjoy it instead of just having this all-Australian team where 40 doesn't go into 22, and that's 100% right. Why 40 is the number of the squad? Was it because of the list size, I guess? But Yeah, I've got no idea. This, I think a nice like, round 50 would be, you know... You'd, you'd much easier. Year. Yeah. And then no matter what number you pick, you're going to have to squeeze someone out. That's just the reality of footy. But I think, I think they could do a lot more with this weekend rather than just surrendering and having the NRL keep going, racing starting to pick up. I know we were all all over the, the races at Mooney Valley and Caulfield on the weekend. So I think the AFL could do a lot with it. But, you know, Gil, if you're listening, give me a call. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm with you on that point. I think um, you find particularly at this stage of the year, I know uh, Seven have their programming, but it's all on Fox. So for your average punter, it isn't something as accessible. You're going to hear about it on your, your Twitter or your news outlets or on this program but um yeah it, it's just it's off broadway really so I, I think they've missed opportunities there just to yeah really put in the limelight i mean it doesn't have to even be on the you know seven's got about six channels so they could sneak it on a seven mate you know even plug it on your other networks and just give give it some oomph because i'm with you we were sort of unless you had foxtel or ko you you really missed it all and found out about it later. So that that's not ideal. And particularly now, you've got to rebuild that momentum back into the finals now. It's just, um, it, it's not right. But let's let's get into it, mate. Let's get into our, our awards for the year. We, we did do this uh, halfway through with our mid-year, and uh, I think you'll find some similar candidates, but some good second half of the years and some different factors. We've added a few categories, so we've, we've got a bit of a lineup. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start us off. MVP. Who who did you have as your MVP, Seb? There's a key forward over in Adelaide who's had an outstanding year. Charlie Dixon was my MVP. MVP. Now, I looked it up and I was there's a few players who I think were probably pretty stiff as a key forward in Geelong. Um, there is a who else did I have? I had a couple of names up there, but I looked at Charlie Dixon numbers, and when he plays poorly, they just lose. They flat out lose. When he plays well, they've got an avenue to goal. People feed off it, and they've won, what, they're 14 to 3. He had three terrible games. Three terrible yeah, games, and they've lost fair. all three. So I just thought, in terms of the most valuable player, that value he brought to the team, I couldn't go past it. Um, it's a good call. Cool I just, look at it. yeah, look. It gets, it gets, look, the definition of this, it's great. It's, it's great for the leagues in the sense of you can define valuable how it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, yeah, so exactly. you're going to say something different. Our, our folks in the 13th row behind us will say something different. Um, it's subjective. It's opinion-based. But I just thought, given they're first on the ladder, he's led them to this point. And I can tell you what, we're going to preview this game later. If he doesn't fire in this game, they ain't going to win it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I really like that uh, interpretation because yeah, and that that's the beauty of it. It is in the eye of the beholder. I see. I've taken value as, I guess, the best 
player in the competition this year and he brings value to whatever team he's on. So, uh, Moneyball? Yeah, yeah Moneyball style. Um, no, not Moneyball because that's not what it is. Um, MVP for me is uh, Lockie Neal. Uh, look, it might be a bit of a boring black and white one, but I don't think you can go past... I mean, I, I do try and not... Uh, to see the game with the, with the midfield goggles on, but I couldn't go past his year. Um, it, it, fantastic in a top side. He's the top of the top. So, I mean, I did jump in the stats and have a look. He's obviously first for disposals, top three in score involvements, contested possessions. Pretty sure he's the highest scoring super coach player of the year as well, if whatever you rate with that. But um, yeah, look, he's done it all. He can kick goals. He gets his own ball. He just fires them up. Uh, they're flying as well, the Lions. And he is probably the best player in the competition, it could be argued. So uh, for me, that that put him up there. He's my most valuable player for the year. Yeah, oh, I'd struggle to have him as the best player in the comp. I would struggle to have him up there. But... Well, look, horrible, when I say best player selection. comp, I mean, you know, based on this year, you know, he, you, you're not building a side to, yeah, like we said in the Australian take on, you know, Mars or something. We're just we're just picking uh, picking our best or our most valuable. So I couldn't go past him. That's right, Tom. You don't have to back off it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with that. I said I said at the start of last year to one of our good friends, uh, Carlton supporter, I said, Lockie Neal can win the Brownlow. And he said, no chance. And while he didn't win it last year, and he actually still had a good year last year, he's my favourite for it now. So um, that, I couldn't argue with that. Most improved. Where'd you sit with this? And full disclosure, I won't be naming Jai Simpkin for this award like I did at the mid-season awards. <laughs> well, now you've set me up with that one because I've I've picked a saint. Uh, oh. Yeah, look, hear me out, hear me out. Now, I had a few in this category. So I could give a few honourable mentions, but I, I couldn't go past Jack Steele. Uh, the the guy is in the form of his life. He he's added goal kicking to his game this year. He, he you know he was always up there in tackles, and he was second in the comp again this year for tackles. So that's always been part of his game. He can lock down on a defender. This year he's worked out how to get his own ball. He led the Saints in disposals. So um, for those listening, I'm not just looking at disposals, but he did have our most contested disposals too. So he is another one that gets in, gets his own ball. As I said, he added goal kicking to his year, uh, to his repertoire. Um, he, he went from, I guess, a, a really solid player for us to now all Australian quality. So then when you're looking at improvement, you can't do much better than that. He's jumped up into the comps elite by joining the, uh, all Australian. Um, he, he just was a standout candidate for me. I, We'll let you give yours, but I do have a couple of honourable mentions I could throw in there, but I don't want to uh, preempt yours, Seb. But who, who did you have? Just before we get on to who I had, can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. Are you aware he averaged more tackles a game last year than this year? Yeah, I didn't know that, but that, that look, that's interesting though. But I, I find that he added finding his own ball on top of tackle. So he had different priorities and showed really the player that he could be this year and He's moved away from that nuggety tagger role to just an out-and-out yeah. elite mid. Yeah, so he's lost some of his pressure. Right. <laughs> he went from 21.9 disposals a game to 22.1. Now, shorter quarters, so he's probably finding more ball, but that's not a lot more, is it? Well, it's it's not always you know quantity, it's quality. So I think you'll find that... He actually is. averaged more ball in 2018 with 23.48. But 
but did he add goal kicking to his repertoire? Did he bring his side with him week in, week out? Uh, I think well, the I average point three of a goal in twenty eighteen versus point six of a goal in twenty twenty. Oh, gee, so he's doubled. That's we're splitting hairs. <laughs> we're splitting hairs. But that's look, right. I mean, look, would look, you have had him in your the... selection? That's your no, no, selection. Would you I've... have had him in last? Like, where would you have had him in the comp last year? Was he a top hundred player in the comp last year? Well, I thought he was still on the Giants list. Correct. So, if it, well, that's that, you know, he's come from nowhere to be an All-Australian. That's improvement. And, you know, I, I won a few uh, most improves in my time at uh, at the Rovers, so I know what they're about. So i I got to gotta give it to him. No, that's all right. You can have that. I just feel if I don't query you on these Saints mentions, look, uh, we're going to turn into the Saints hour. <laughs> which I'm happy to do. But, uh, look, we'll, we'll keep it, uh, keep it broad. I, look... There is the uh, Rookie of the Year coming up, so maybe there might be a mention there. No, and, no, no. We'll get to that. Now, uh, who's Who have you got? I, I couldn't go past the bloke we mentioned last week. Had played nine games to the start of this year and then made the All-Australian squad and won the best and fairest in Jordan Ridley. He came yeah. from the absolute clouds at the Bombers. Uh, it took me about four weeks to actually work out who he was. And if you look back on his body of work, he has improved out of mind this year uh, and couldn't go past him, you know. Yeah, look, that, that's fair. When I was thinking of my honourable mentions, he, he was the next name. Uh, yeah, he genuinely came for the clouds. I think another one you could throw out um, in this category is uh, Sammy Collins from the Suns, who won their BNF. Uh, over yep. the past week, so he's I'm another the best one. Who's, first winner. Yeah, he's another one who's really uh, taken a taken a big step. Uh, over to the coach. Who, who did you have for coach of the year? I went with Dimmer Hardwick. Dimmer Hardwick, Richmond. Yeah. So I did, I'll oh, see, I, I, I'll I see about this right, and he. So so often in these coach of the year awards, we look at the coaches with no expectation on them and them getting a team sort of to fly up the ladder and be like, oh, look at that coaching performance. Wasn't that outstanding? <laughs> Just crossing now, out my name right now. No, no, you can keep Brett Ratton written now, mate. It's all right. <laughs> uh, now, what I was thinking about was, isn't it harder to keep the team performing when the pressure's on? So Melbourne, they flew up the ladder, and then they yeah, just true. can't keep it going. It's tough. Um, and the oh. other reason I had Damien Hardwick, look, Dustin Martin is a bit of an outlier in in what I'm about to say, but I look at their team and there are no players who just out and out dominate the opposition solely on their own. They out and out dominate in terms of linking up and moving together and and being in the right spot at the right time and trusting the teammates, and that's the coach and the game plan. Yeah, that's that's a good call. He keeps that team together, and the reason I think they're favourites for the flag is the way they play together, their style of footy, you know what they stand for. Um, and I couldn't go past him. The fact they've won two out of the last three flags doesn't matter. That just puts more pressure on them to perform, and he's got them humming. And then you throw in things like you've got the the COVID breaches with Sydney Stack and Callum Coleman Jones. Yeah, Callum that his name? Coleman Jones. Yeah, that's right. Gee, that was a good get. <laughs> uh, you've got the Cochin debacle. Um, you know, Jack Rewalt's off doing Tiger Time and SEN every Monday. Like, there's just there's stuff happening all around it and he's kept them going and they're in the same spot on the ladder they were last year um, against what seems to be their bunnies in Brisbane. So they're primed to just go straight through to another prelim and once you're there, you know, you back the season finals team in over whoever they're going to play, typically. 
Yeah, no, that quality argument there. Do do you give any weight to um, you know Chris Scott having a similar sustained uh, sorry sustained sustainable level of success? I think they've reached their eleventh prelim of the last last fourteen years or something. The cats obviously he's not there for the whole time, but um, I guess your argument I'm guessing would be they haven't had as many distractions. The cats a bit more settled. Uh, they've been more in, they've been more inconsistent and. I would say the quality of some of those players in Geelong's list in a Dangerfield or Hawkins, Selwood's missed some time. Um, you've got Duncan, Ablett. I would say they're ahead of the names in the Richmond list, notwithstanding Dustin Martin, who is an out-and-out star. But yeah, I everyone know, else, top even, six like, top six. even like Cochin taking a step back and does more through his leadership and his pressure rather than finding the footy 30 times and kicking two goals, like, they don't have that sort of player. Look, you could say they have those sorts of players. They're not playing that way, and that comes back down to coaching. Um, and look, this award's based on the first 20, say 22 games, but obviously the first 17 games of the year. You don't sort of typically take finals into account, but Geelong need to perform in the finals for Chris Scott to... It's hard. You know, it's a high bar, up, and that's I harsh agree. Because I agree with you. I agree with it, it, though. It's based off the regular season. Um, but, uh, look, Richmond finished slightly higher on the ladder. Does that count for anything? No, I'll, I'll pay that as well. Yeah, and uh, look, I think, yeah, like you mentioned as well, all those off-field factors too, we've got to give give that some weight. Um, to j- directly contradict what you said, I am going to go for that coach that took a team, of, you know, the Cinderella story, took them from nowhere and put them up. Um, but th- in this case, I think Ken Hinckley, I've, I've got to give it to. Kenny? He was in probably one of the hotter hot seats at the start of the year. It was basically perform or you're gone, and he performed. And you can't do much better, obviously, than finishing on top of the ladder. Um, I think particularly, after, you know, the power had their little surge in the sort of mid-2010s. They really, you know, could have gone and made a granny. I think it was 2014. They were pretty stiff, um, 2015 maybe. No, sorry, 2014 it was, yeah. And he really rebuilt them on the run. You know, they have yo-yoed, but he rebuilt them on the run with some youngsters. They're a really young, exciting team. He's got them playing a good brand. Um, I mean, apart from maybe that game against the Cats, they've really met every challenge thrown their way. Um, yes, I know they've been a team that has been able to actually play at their home ground, but I don't think it's that much of a factor. I think you'll find even when they were in the Queensland hub, they were playing some of their best footy. So he's got them as a tight-knit unit. They're on top of the ladder. They're flying. Um, and yeah, they came from the clouds. So I, I, I give that a bit of weight because I think, um, you know, it, it's difficult as you know, you could see Saints waiting nine years, but it is difficult to get your team, you know, into the finals, but then look at the Bombers, get that next step right up into that top echelon. So, I mean, we'll see with the power because if you look at, uh, I guess, the line of betting, and that's this isn't the only scale, but, you know, no one's trusting them to actually go on and win the flag. But, I mean, he's put them in the best position to win it by finishing on top that you can. So I'll give it to old Kenny there. Um, over to our Rookie of the Year. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, I was joking before, Max King, fantastic year. He isn't mine. Um, but uh, look, I'm going to be honest here, and I know Caleb Sarong won the Rising Star, but he's not mine because I didn't watch as much Frio as others. So I've got to go with the team that I've seen a lot of or matches I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of the Suns, and I'm actually giving it to Isaac Rankin. 
He's my rookie of the year. Really? He, I know, look, some might be he's got a little bit of the Cyril Riolis in that he only has 10 and it's it's minimal possessions. But I've got to, I mean, maybe because the results weren't there, he's getting marked down. But, I mean, there were actually a couple of games where he was straight kicking away from winning a couple of games off his own boot. I picture that one uh, against the Dogs. I think he kicked four points in the last quarter. He really actually had the Saints on the back foot when we played them. And, he, yeah, he, he's just lacking, I guess, that little polish to finish games off and kick those goals. But, um, yeah, he, he was exciting. He's getting talked about in conversations that you wouldn't have picked for a first-year player. So uh, he's my rookie of the year. That's interesting. So what's going to be really interesting here is I've also got a player from the Gold Coast Suns yeah. who... Had a lot of airtime on the TV, but probably not as much game time as you would have liked in Matthew Rowell as the best rookie. <laughs> you this gave year. it to him for the four game. Yep, they were that good. They were that good. You put and... that ahead of bodies of work. Obviously, Rankin didn't play as much as an Anderson or even a Sarong who played four years. So you give it more weight in those four yep, than I entire do. seasons. I do. Um, he was just absolutely outstanding. He's an outstanding young individual. Did all the right things, got hurt. They probably could have brought him back. Didn't want to because of a lot more at stake for the Suns than this year. Um, look, if if things aren't going too well for Stewie Jew late next year, like Matty Rao could be captain coach. He's that good. <laughs> he was working his way into the coach's box. I think we saw him with his notepad out on the ground. But he is a football brain. There's no doubt about that. I'm interested in your, your Stewie Jew thoughts, but... Uh, look, I, I just I just thought those four games were outstanding. He was the best rookie I saw this year. Um, Honourable mention to Caleb Sarong because he was really, really good. Um, yeah, and I fully agree with that. I guess my, my argument was Freo were a little bit more off-Broadway for me than the Suns. I just saw more Suns. So, I'm, you know, you can only go you're, you're you You're in Victoria. You don't see much over him. But, um, but <laughs> yeah. You do. But, I, well, somehow I just take the time to... to I've got my ear to the ground in Perth. Let's just put oh, it that way. Good. Now, these are a very American style, these next two. We're going to start with the Offensive Player of the Year. Where did you land? Well, it's being obvious, but I can't go past the Tomahawk. I know you mentioned Charlie Dixon, but the big Tomahawk, we gave him a segment earlier this year about his renaissance, and a few Cats fans are like, he's been great for a while. But this year, Jeezy took the competition by the scruff of the neck and really... Just made it his own. Uh, you know, the Coleman medals, you know, a fitting reward. He, he's had a great career. But this year, he, he was the main factor in games. The Cats are flying. He's like Dixon, I guess. If he plays he plays well, they usually win. Not as important, obviously, to, as Dixon. But the Cats have built around him, really. Um, and, and he's just dominant in that forward line. So um, I couldn't go past him. Uh, he's your, your big threat going forward. He is an offensive weapon. So big tomahawk for me. Yeah, so there's two things I can say about Tom Hawkins. Sorry, there's three things. Firstly, Dangerfield's the most valuable player in that team. He can go forward and win a game off his own boot or go into the middle and win the game off his own boot. So that is why I couldn't have Tom Hawk for most valuable, like the value Dixon brings yeah. versus Tom Hawk just wasn't, wasn't the same in terms of value, despite the fact Tom Hawk's output's probably actually slightly better. Uh, so I don't think Tom Hawkins is the most valuable on his own team. I also had Tom Hawkins as the offensive player of the year. 
Yeah, okay. And your reasoning. Oh, he, he's won the Coleman. He's been outstanding. Uh, really straightens Geelong up. Uh, you need to send one defender to him and have a second one ready to help. And there's not that many forwards you need to do that to anymore. A lot of the key forwards, you know, McGovern can sit 20 metres in front. Harris Andrews can play off. Uh, Grimes at Richmond can play off and they can just come in and intercept it. Whereas Tomahawk, you can't. If they're trying to do that, they're either going to get killed or he's going to be able to take the mark. So I just thought his body of work as a key forward this year was outstanding. Um, the one interesting thing about this is they're desperately looking for the Tom Hawkins replacement down at Geelong. They're linked to just about every key forward that's coming out, like Jezza Cameron. Uh, I'm sure they'll have a crack at Brown. Or I'll, I'll mention something later in the rumour mill about yeah. Geelong and, and who they're looking at. Um, but, yeah, look, but look, it is a good it was point. Because very like... hard to split Tom Hawkins and Charlie Dixon. Um, I just thought Charlie was more valuable to the power, but overall, in terms of goals, impact hitting the scoreboard, Tom Hawkins was number one for me. Beautiful. I guess now we move up to the other end of the spectrum and the, the defensive player of the year. So I'm interested in your thoughts on, on this one. Who did you have? I had a few different options, so I'm uh, almost still weighing it up as we speak, but did you have an out now one, or were you weighing well, up a few? Harris Andrews from the Lions was, to me, clear number one defender. Um, doesn't play in a team with necessarily a great structured defence. So if you look at, and it pains me to say how well-touted the Richmond defence is, but Alex Rance was considered the next coming of Scarlett and Silvani, and now Dylan Grimes suddenly comes into the same role and is as good as Rance. So they're not anywhere near as good as the players are touted to be. They're just in an outstanding team defence down there. Harris Andrews, not so much. Um he played in more one-on-one contests, I think, this year. And uh, Look, I think this stat was from a few weeks ago, but he played in more than anyone else and was winning them at an 85% rate, which was just remarkable. Um, I just he, He's held up that defense. They're sorely missing him. I'm, I think he's touch and go for Friday night at this stage. Yeah, it's um, looking that way. But it's big Tom Lynch not playing, but anyway, that's a, that's a little side one, but... Yeah, so I, I had him there, and I had Lukey Ryan from Fremantle's an honourable mention. He's had an outstanding yeah, year over all there Australian, in the West. Yeah. If you are no, nah, he was aware one of the players out there. Yeah, yeah, very good. No, interesting. I should actually just to rewind back with offensive. Obviously, uh, <clears throat> Dan Butler and Tom Papley, great years as well. We need to give Papley a little shout out. Um, defensive. Uh, look, this one was hard, and I've gone a different type of defender. I've gone that. I guess that intercepting, almost I guess you call him a, a third defender type. I, I I really enjoyed the year from from Nick Haynes. So he obviously saw a lot of ball because the Giants it came down there a lot. I think they were the one of one of the most heavily uh, insided, well inside fifty against side. So he had plenty of opportunities, but he really shone, led the comp in marks, um, and really gave them a drive. I'd hate to have seen their year if he didn't play. Um, and I think, you know, with Phil Davis, they did missing for a lot of the year. They had to shuffle around and, and he really stood up. And I think he was consistent from the start of the year till the end. He really, well, maybe not his last game, the Saints got a hold of him. But most of the season, he he was up and flying. So I, I think Nick Haynes would be my defensive player of the year. How do you think he's going to go next year when you've got Aiden Kaur walking out, you've got Zach Williams walking out, and I reckon you'll have Heath Shaw retiring? 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. Plus, obviously, he's an All-Australian again, uh, again, or it might be his first, but regardless, he's going to be looked at as well by opposition clubs even more closely than he already has. So it's yeah, it's going to be a big one for Nick. I think he can uh, you know rest easy knowing he had a good year, but hopefully he doesn't lose too much sleep. That's a, a bit frightening for him. Hopefully they can get some support around him. But we've picked a new category here, uh, Game of the Year. So... A few, I mean, we actually went through it game by game and, and had a look. Were there any out-and-out classics from the year or what? what's the game people are going to remember coming out of uh, 2020? I, I wrote down, and as best I could, trying not to pick too many Saints games, uh, wrote down uh, about a dozen that I could pick from, but I, I had one, one clear standout for mine. Um, I think the game of the year you'll find was West Coast versus Geelong, so... It was a Saturday night, um, middle of the year. Um, Cats jumped out. They were leading for basically three and a half quarters, and, and it was a real classic arm wrestle. The Eagles fought back. Uh, I think Josh Kennedy roved a pack and put them in front, and it was a you know that was finals footy, and that was sort of you know middle of the year, and it was a re- you know footy and crowds out west on a Saturday night. It was a cracking game. It was two really good sides who were up there this year. Um, I think you know nine points. I think one of those games where the score sort of, uh, you know, that last goal flatters it a bit. It was a close arm wrestle the whole way. So that, that would be my game of the year, Seb. Yeah, look, we we went through it all and we couldn't find too many that were out-and-out classics. And I'll actually say it, there were no out-and-out classic games. Uh, the three that stand out in my memory, and this is the, the most memorable, Round one, game seven, North Melbourne, St Kilda. Huge comeback from North Melbourne to pit the Saints, who have now gone on to play finals. Huge win for the club. Uh, first game of round two, Collingwood-Richmond. We were so hyped up for that. And they yeah, came that, out that was big, actually, wasn't five it? goals but... apiece draw. Like, <laughs> oh, jeez. For... And it set, the, it set the tone for, for the rest of the season. Um, but... The game I remember watching for the quality of footy was when Richmond played Port. It was 1v2. Um, it was right in it. Like, the game was on right up until three-quarter time and the power just showed a little bit of class at home to finish them off. Um, but that was that was the that was the game of the year in my mind. Yeah, look, that, that made my list definitely. Um, you know, a few more I had... I had the after the siren games, whether or not the actual matches were that great. Great results there. Um... Dogs v Cats, uh, the big comeback there from the Cats when they uh, came from six goals down. That was a fair game. Uh, a few close ones, obviously. Saints Brizzy on a Sunday. Saints Suns, that was up there. Uh, yeah, I'd Port Adelaide Richmond. Um, Dees Giants at the end the of the Saints year. Saints Intra Club now. Well, yeah. The only game I've been to this year is the Saints uh, pre-season game against Hawthorne <laughs> at Moorabbin. So I can say my whole footy this year has been at Moorabbin. Um, Dees Giants, you know. That, that was finals on the line. That was late in the year. You know, it Great had its game. moments. Not a, well, I guess it's that old argument. Do close games flatter matches? So how much weight well, do you put Was the 2005-2006 grand finals good games or just close games? Yeah, that that's it. Uh, I'm in the, the answer is just close games. Oh, there's plenty of moments in that 05 one. Maybe I'm biased because i got a soft spot for the Swans. But anyway, moving on to our next segment, Best individual game. So when we say individual, that's an individual. So what uh, performance from an individual this year in a game stood out to you? Well, I reckon we're going to end up with the same one. 
Yeah. Um, notwithstanding Tim English's 204 super coach points. That was my uh, uh, honourable mention. That got you over the line when we played. He was fantastic that round. Game of his life. Yep, yep. Uh, Tom Hawkins versus Port Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Ten marks, six goals, two. You could not go past it. He just was an out-and-out star that night. That that put a bit of a gap on the comp in terms of his Coleman medal chance. It said, look, I'm winning it this year. Step down. I've got this. Um, yeah, he he killed it from start to finish in that game. That that's as good as it, as you'll see. Obviously, there were some fantastic games from mids, but that was a a throwback classic. Key forward winning it off his own boot. And uh, see, the honourable mention for this was Dangerfield against Sydney for mine, where he literally won them that game and kept them top four. Yeah, look, that I, so, I, could, I, I that was probably in my mentions. I know I potted Danger, but yeah, he did. Yeah, do that. you weren't happy with Danger. He was. Uh, strutting around like he owned a place and played like he owned a place. And again, look, that just goes to show why I couldn't have Hawkins or Danger as the most valuable because they have, you know, different levels of value within that team. Um, Absolutely. Um, but there weren't too many, you know, there was no 10-goal haul from any key forward this year, which means you have to go back to around 22 last year, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide, <laughs> and Ben Brown had 10 for that last one. That's uh, just a great segue. That's but our next, our next, our next and final award is upset of the year. Uh, I have, t- I have three out and out outliers, and two of them I've forgotten happened. Um, oh, there you go. But my my top one was Carlton beating Geelong. I couldn't go past yeah, it. That, that was just oh yeah, I didn't out of the box. List. Geelong came home with a wet yeah, sail, but apparently couldn't on. get over the line against Carlton and. You look at how their season finished. Too, that one. Yeah, yeah, and you look at how their season finished. It's like, really, that they're that far apart. But Carlton won that game by just storming them in the first forty minutes. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, that's a ripper. What? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you mine. I had um, the Crows v the Giants. So, Giants were playing for everything. They were fighting for a spot. It was a you know Tuesday night. Lock it in. Giants will win this. Crows had just gotten over the Hawks, who aren't flying. You know, no one gave them a chance at all. This is the bottom of the bottom, worst as worst we've seen from Adelaide, and they somehow got it together and beat a team gunning for finals. So I can't go past that as my uh, upset of the year. Uh, look, I did consider the Ruse beating the Saints, but I think you'll find at the time <laughs> you Ruse fans were booking your grand final ticket, so I don't think you were that much. we were that much of a scalp. But looking back in hindsight, that was probably your best win for a long time, beating us in that round. And Did I you reckon, lose uh, your membership that day? No, no. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a microwaver of uh, memberships. No, Don't you worry. No. I've, I've got mine. Um, the other one I had in there that looked strange was the, the Bombers beating the Pies um, on a Friday yeah. night. They, they really showed something. And I think they might have been 5-2 or even 4. You know, they, they were up there, the Bombers. They were in... Good touch, but looking back now, that that was a real outlier. Did you have any others? That was that was back when the Bombers had that game in hand. Yeah, yeah, you know? the infamous game. In Keeping hand. that game in hand, are going to win the flag with it. Uh, no, just your mates um, with the deflector, the Hawks. They beat Richmond and Brisbane earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, that Brisbane and they yeah, and... didn't have a great finish to the year. It was sort of surprising. Um, they touched up but, the Tigers, if I if I remember right. They didn't just yeah. sneak home. They really gave them a you know gave them a go, which is yeah yeah. Couldn't yeah. get a read on the the Hawks at that stage, um, but I think their true colours showed towards the end of the year. But yeah, definitely outliers those two. 
Absolutely. Well, we want to hear your thoughts, uh, listeners. So hit us up. Uh, obviously, uh, the email's always there, 12 back at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram as well. So now we're, we're into our next segment and it's the one the fans love. It's the rumour file. So uh, your phone's been hot this week, Seb. Mine has too. We've got sources. We've got people we're in, talking to who we think are in the know. Uh, and a few little little trade rumours coming through. So what do you have for us this week, Seb? Uh, I've got a few few little nice ones to start you off. Uh, ben Brown going to St Kilda. St Kilda? Firm or deny? Uh, no, I, can, I have not heard that myself. Are you interested? Um, not sure. Uh, no, no, I'm not, to be honest. I think uh, our, our future wears number 12, Big Max King. So I think... We're okay, but... He covers uh, the ground like Nick Rewalt used to, Ben. Well, I mean, look, I wouldn't say no because he, he would groom young uh, Max, but uh, look, I haven't heard that one. I actually very, uh, very I had him That's... heading further north, to be honest. I've heard Ben Brown off to Sydney. They've, uh, they've How had are they enough... going to pay him? They always find a way, the Swans, and they love their marquee forwards. So you'll find over their history, Plugger, Barry Hall, Buddy. They need someone there. They need someone through the gates. Whether or not Ben Brown's that figure, I think they're going to give it a crack. I think the Danaher to and fro, it's it's enough. They've had enough of Swannies and Ben Brown with you know they've got a bit of currency, the Swannies. So, but I think he, he might find his way into red and white. There you go. I, well, I think they've announced they're almost definitely going to trade him. Um, let's just hope from a North point of view, I just hope we get the most we can and move off him. Um, he's got the agility of a, of a semi-truck. <laughs> uh, now, Jesse Hogan will be looking for a new club. He'll be coming out of Freo. He's open to move home. Yep, yep, he'll be on the move. Could there be a straight swap with a Gold Coast for two-metre Peter? Ooh, that's not a bad one. I think the Suns would be interested in that. I think big two metres on, on the outer. We barely barely saw him this year. Um, I, I could see Freo obviously still smarting from uh, from Cam McCarthy as well. So um, yep. I, I don't mind that one. I, I'm gonna, I'll keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. Now, these are just a couple of little ones. Brody Meyercheck wants to stay at Collingwood, but they're a fair way off in terms of dollars. So I think he's going to... Put his foot, put his feelers out, but he'll end up staying. Uh, uh, move. Joe Danaher to Brisbane's almost a lock. He's two of the facilities, uh, good spot to get out of the of the bubble by heading up there, um, and they sort of need that. See, they need another key forward. He plays very similar to Eric Hipwood. So, do you want two of the same types in your side? Um, having said that, they're both agile, quick sort of big men, so obviously could help putting some pressure on. Uh, and this one, and I kid you not, is a player who toured the Gold Coast Suns facility, potentially coming out of retirement, Cyril Rioli. No, really? Cyril? That is I don't, one I, I'd say that with about he has, 10%. No, he has said that he, you know, that he may be tempted. I think... 10% cool. level of confidence on that one, but... Uh, I think it was somewhere around the dream time sort of stuff they were doing. Um, he was obviously involved in that, and I think he just, just got around a little bit. And, and yeah, uh, I think, obviously, what he retired at 
Was he 30 or 29? He was 29, wasn't he? Yeah, 29. I just remember it being under 30. Yeah, 29. Yeah, he's retired young, so he still would have plenty in the body and in the tank. Um, obviously, he just about done it all in terms of individual and team success, so he was just ready to go home and enjoy life, which is fair enough. But um, have you got anything for us? Well, I was going to say, if anyone knows about a Stewie Jew, it'd be Stewie Jew. So they, they could get him in shape and playing uh, a good form. The, the <laughs> third quarter in 08, Stewie, whew, that was good. Yep, before, I've, I've got three more rumours here. Oh, okay. I've got three more great ones. Now, this this one's an exclusive. Yep. Like, this is exclusive <laughs> need, to this podcast. We need a for that, but Torvo's back no one else, No one else has discussed this. You would have seen the photos of Lance Franklin taking his bins out Crazy during the week. stuff from that, that uh, I don't even know what to call him. Yeah, well, I'm don't not going to call him a journalist. But what yeah. they missed was he actually mixed up his recycling and rubbish. They were in the wrong bin. <laughs> that's true. That's look, true. Look at that. That's you won't hear that exclusive. anywhere else. You will not hear that anywhere else. There, there yeah. it is. I'm just doing some maths here and going off, off the general reports. North Melbourne's list will consist of 13 players next year. The rest have all been traded for draft capital. I'm struggling to think of who's still there at the moment. Everyone's gone. I can, a fire I can tell you, we're not bringing in any mature ages, so it's all draft picks. So I don't know what they're going to do. Um, and Geelong's salary cap, due to live, just being down in Geelong, the inferior part of Victoria, is set to increase to $20 million next year just so they can include all those Zach Merritt, Goldstein, Higgins... Who else did they link to? Viney. Oh, yeah, Viney. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Cameron. Was Paddy Cripps heading down there? I, I don't know. Like, everyone's heading down the highway. They so are that team this year, aren't they? For them to secure all that, that cap has to go up. When they're already paying danger with 2.2, I reckon. Well, look, we, we do have an in, insider in the cat, so maybe we can uh, we could check that one with oh, him. But... Full disclosure, none of this has come from the insider. No, yeah, no. That, full we, disclosure. Don't give your he, sources um, up. He, he doesn't talk to us about Geelong very often. Oh, no. That, that's a rumour file. So if you've got any to add, as we said, back at gmail.com or on our social media, we want to hear them. It is getting to that part of the year where it really ramps up, but we, we've got in early with our scoop. So we, we want to hear yours. Send them through. We sure do. Now, we have a mailbag question, as you sort of touched on earlier. You jumped the gun a little bit, Tom, but that's all right. I'll start. It, it, Bring them back. Came through late, so that's I all right. Got excited. That, that's all right. Now, uh, and this is from as you signed off, DJ BS. I don't know if he actually read that one out loud. Um, he means DJ Broadsword, uh, yeah, that, that's, not DJ Shizenhausen. Dear Twelve Rose, back. Hope you're both keeping well. Long time listener, frequent caller here. I like this bit, Tom. In the interest of moving the conversation away from the Saints, I have a question about. Other supporters. That's directed directly at you. Well, he's Why right. do they? No, I'm right. Why do they not rate Scott Pendlebury as one of the greatest players of all time? He'd have to be the best player ever not to win a Charles Brownlow. I can I can list quite a few. I have six Six soon to be seven all Australians. Did he get the nod? Uh, he did not. But in the squad, so, had no nod. So just the six, six all Australians. One Norm Smith, uh, one Premier. I think it's a well-known fact that his Norm Smith is actually, it's got chocolate on the inside because you get a Norm Smith for the grand final, not a replay. But anyway, moving on. 
I thought you were going to say Jason Graham had the same amount of votes. Oh, that was 09. That was 09, and that, that's one lost medal. That should, we'll cover that in a future, future Nice podcast. to get through the mailbag without bringing up the Saints. Uh, he's won five Copeland trophies, yep. three Anzac Day medals. What more must this man do? Uh, I can tell you he doesn't go forward, take marks and kick goals in big games, does he? That sounds harsh, but I think you're right. Um, no, look, Pendles is an outstanding player. He's an out-and-out champion. He would be... I'd say he's gone ahead of Bucks as an all-timer at Collingwood. Um, yeah, it'd be him, what, him and Coventry. Yeah, they go... Well, I mean, he, I think yeah, he just broke the, the game's record and um, he's, he's, he's captained them for the most games too, I would think. He broke it in the same game, I believe. Yeah, there you go. Um, look, a lot of his good years came in a high-powered midfield. Like he had Dane Swan running around, taking a lot of attention. Uh, they had some out-and-out stars there. Didak running around. Does that does that detract from from what he did in those early years? I think his last. Four, I, th- I think the fact he hasn't fallen off at all playing game three fourteen, three fifteen this weekend. I think says a lot about just how good he is and, and that basketball background, how well that's uh, that's gone for him over the journey. <laughs> okay, that's come up a few times over the journey. Yeah, look, I'll be honest with him as uh, my opinion of him. He is one of those players where you watch him and he just glides around and he just doesn't get tackled. I, I always watch him play and go, why isn't he getting wrapped up here? He gets through packs. He gets the ball where it should. He's one of those frustratingly good players as an opposition fan. Um yeah, it's a fair point that you brought up before. He he hasn't, I guess, I mean, he hasn't had bad finals, but he hasn't had, geez, Pendles carried the pies that day finals. So um, I think he will still be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt he's put a Hall of Fame career in. He'll be in there. Um, I guess, uh, you know, modern day comparison, I mean, he and Joel Selwood, I guess, are, are, you know, two from this era that you're really going to be, geez, they were the top of the top mids. And Pendles is in that conversation. So... Um, I, I can't pot his career, but I guess he's a legend of the Collingwood Football Club, but not of the AFL. So, yeah, like you said as well, I guess he it's just that he re, it's one of those mids where he's reached that level of consistency and just stayed there. He's just good every year, but he hasn't sort of gone full elite or he hasn't slipped. He's just in that bracket of just good football year and after year. So, fantastic football player. Um Thanks again to DJ uh, BS. Gee, uh, I reckon that's I reckon that's harsh on Pendlebury. So since two thousand, I'd have Ablett, Judd, Pendlebury, Dangerfield, and Martin as the best five mids. You no no Joel Selwood in there? No. Nah. Yeah, he see, could be so... sixth, but I wouldn't have him in the five. So Pendlebury's the only one out of that group who hasn't won a brown low. Well, yeah, that that was a fair question uh, in the mailbag. I mean, he's he, modern day. He's definitely uh, probably the stiffest part. Yeah, from Selwood not to win one. Um, I don't know. Does does he? I mean, your talk, those names there. I'm thinking a, a legends, Hall of I'd, Fame. I'd, legends. I'd have I'd have Pendlebury as a legend. Yeah, I think he'll go in when he's done. He'll get three fifty games. Yeah, like, look. Add it up. I, I think he's right up there. It, um, it's going to be close. Yeah, I, I think to answer DJBS's question, like specifically tell him, 
And the question is, why do they not rate Scott Pendlebury as one of the greatest players of all time? Because he plays for Collingwood and no one likes Collingwood. <laughs> that, that's, that's why opposition supporters don't talk about him as much as they should. Um, and I think that's why we maybe just slighted him a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I do have him as in the top five since sort of the 2000s. And then if you go back into the 90s, what would you throw Buckley? Oh, geez, maybe I was a bit harsh on Rusciuto. Um yeah. Robert Harvey, yes, I'll mention a St. Tom. Yes. I could see that you in your eyes time. then. I could see that in your eyes. I'm midfielder of the 90s, so you've got to do that. Um, you know, Pendlebury's up there with all of those names mentioned. So I think he's ahead of... Outside of Dangerfield and Martin, there's no other midfielder in the game right now who's going to end up with a career better than him outside of some of the youngsters who are obviously in their first few years. So um, five BNFs, that's huge too. Like, oh, yeah, look, fantastic resume. I'm, I'm just thinking, I guess, the legend status is sort of percentage based on how many are actually in the Hall of Fame and that it's that real, real elite. So I'm thinking... Yeah, maybe only four, you know, your buddy, uh, what was some of the other, uh, buddy Ablett Judd, um, you know, and there might be only maybe one other person from this era that gets in because they really, it, it's just, there's so many great players in our game and the, and the legends only come along every couple of years. So, and they only add one, whereas they're adding four or five a year for your normal Hall of Fame. So it's just a percentage thing. But look, I'm happy to do a podcast then in, 2050 and we'll talk about it then if he gets in uh we've got some big games coming up this week we sure do we sure do we've got uh some might say four of the biggest games coming up this week uh and it's my favorite week of the finals because we've got four games two where winner takes all winner takes all as they say in the nba lose and go home uh and we've got two qualifying finals, which start shaping the prelims, which that's the business end of the end of the year. So Thursday night, Geelong at Port Adelaide, the Adelaide Oval. They'll be aiming to get, what, 10, 20,000 in? It'll sound louder than that, but probably around 10 to 20. Yep. How do you see this one playing out? We've got the number one side. When they met during the year, obviously, we talked about it. Tomahawk absolutely yeah, tore that, it that up. Yeah, game. Uh, and I think Geelong's defenders, you've got Stewart, Taylor, they actually match up really well in terms of nullifying Charlie Dixon. Um, so we could actually see my point being proven in the sense of he's that bad liberal, he plays poorly and they lose. Um, I actually see Geelong getting up in this game by the slimmest of margins. That's because they have a desperate danger field because all the talk about him seems to be that he yeah, hasn't that, won a flag. That's the narrative. And it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like it's a team sport. It's not a sport where danger can actually win every game by, you know, scoring thirty or forty in the NBA. Even though that's a team sport as well. He's just going to be so desperate, willing them over the line. It's Hawkins. Look, he's thirty-two. He's contracted, I think, for two more now, or is it one more? I forget. Yeah, we've talked maybe. a lot about him on this podcast. We have. It could be the Tom Hawkins killer show. Exactly. If you're listening, Tom, give us a shout out. Um, yeah, sorry, continue. Uh, uh, look, you never know how often you're going to get back there. Ablett's last year, it's it. It could be their last good chance to win one, and I think they're going to be hungry and firing. 
Um, the one thing that doesn't bode well for them is they play terribly off a break. They play yeah, absolutely that, terribly historically off a break. And I look at the that's Chris Scott. Like that's all down to coaching and getting them fired up. That's the one job you have. You've got game plan. At this point of the year, the game plan, they know it. They know what they're doing. They know the ins and outs. Your one job now is to fire the boys up to come out and play Thursday night footy. And if you can't do that, well, you know, get a new coach. <laughs> That's fair. That It's finals. That It is cutthroat. Um, look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to be interested to see. And I know I gave uh, Ken Hinckley a, a real shout-out, obviously, my coach of the year. One time he did over his colours, obviously, was this game against Geelong. They gave Tom Hawke his own paddock, and they really just played into the Cats' hands that day. I know Tom took full advantage with his game of the year, but they really gave him way too much space. Um, so I'll be interested to see if they've learned from their mistakes there, the power, whether they go a completely different defensive structure to to sort of counter the Tomahawk, because they're going to be very Tomahawk conscious. I think you'll find he might be double and triple teamed all night uh, where they can. Um, I'm interested in how the Powers, we mentioned before, they're a young team, and they've got a lot of finals debutants coming in. So how they go in that finals atmosphere, I don't think the Cats have any fears about going to Adelaide Oval. Obviously, Victorian team's travelling a lot this year, but the Cats, I think you'll find, have always travelled well to Adelaide Oval, particularly to play Port. Um, I've watched many a Saturday and they don't mind playing at the Adelaide Oval, so that won't scare them. Um, yeah, as you said, Charlie Dixon, he's the barometer. If, if he's on and kicking straight, I know in a final a couple of years ago when they played the Eagles, um, he didn't have his kicking boots on. and That was a game went extra time. He kicked 2-4. Let's hope we don't see that again. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning as well to the Cats in a close one. I think there's a bit of the old uh, chip on their shoulder about the Cats. Chris Scott, yeah, with that shocking finals record, he does have a point to prove. Um, they've timed their run with Ablett and Selwood to come back for finals. Obviously, Danger's desperate to uh, add to his career. Um, they're just a bit more seasoned, but yeah, particularly, as you say, down back with um, particularly Harry Taylor. But, you know, you've got Stewart and, and Big Blicks. Hopefully they've learnt their lesson with using Big Blicks in a final because they've swung him around in the previous years and it's come back to bite him. But, yeah, look, I'm with you, Seb. I'm thinking the Cats in a close one. Very good. Friday night. Brisbane taking on Richmond at the Gabatoire. Yeah, this, uh, uh, as you mentioned, this infamous uh, winning streak for the Tigers, it's probably been blown up a dash because of Brisbane's form in the last decade, but they've won their last 15 against the Lions. Yeah, I think it's been blown up massively. Um, but you can't help to think back to that final last year where I, look, I thought Brisbane should have been a little bit ahead of where they were and then Richmond just got right on top smashed them out of the ballpark. The, yeah, uh, Brisbane didn't win a goals. final. So Brisbane actually need to break that bunny and win a final. That's... And that gets heavier the you know if they yeah. don't keep, if they don't win, you watch out yeah. in that semi. 100%, 100%. So I see Richmond winning this one. Look, I, I, it's hard Tom Lynch is out. How much of an impact does that have? Does it help Richmond? So yeah, well, I think they, the like, 2000... they don't mind being a bit more unpredictable and not as yeah. Lynch-centric. The 2011 grand final, as bad as it is to say, James Podsy Adley getting hurt was one of the best things that happened to Geelong because they subbed him out, got smaller, and it got wet, and they tomahawk turned it This the is Tom the Hawkins tomahawk show. show. Um, my point was <laughs> no, the big four key forward went out and it gave them an edge they didn't sort of plan on having. Um, and could the same thing happen with Lynch being out who... Look, 
seems to be a remarkable talent, but seems to just be on top when the team's on top and, and doesn't sort of, he doesn't look like a forward that's going to win a big final off his own boot. He'll kick three and have an impact as a second forward, but not the key forward that's going to win a final off their own boot. And that's actually one of my big question marks about Richmond because I think Jack Rewalt's the same. He kicks, does kick a lot of goals, but they're always in the easy junk time or when it's all going Jack's way. And when it doesn't go Jack's way, geez, he sooks. Well, that's true. I mean, I think, yeah, Lynch might have, you know, swung a game in last year's prelim, but I agree with uh, Jack Rewald. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's bobbed up, and I think, what did he kick five in last year's granny? They were all, you know, your jump time classics. I, I'm with you. I don't think we've seen him take a game by the scruff and, and kick that crucial goal, so I'll be interested in that. But speaking of kicking for goal, I mean, you've got to look at the Lions' accuracy, and, you know, it sort of faded out as the year went on because they were sort of up in that top four and top two, but it's really going to come into focus, particularly as they did last year. If they miss a couple early and Richmond get that sniff, you'd, you'd want the Lions to kick straight and kick straight early if they're going to really give this one a run. I hope Fags has sorted out that goal-kicking issue because obviously it it didn't hurt them against some of the inferior sides of the comp, but it will hurt them in this final. So if they can keep having kicking boots on, there'd be nothing better for footy than to see Brisbane in a home prelim given everything the state of Queensland's done for the game this year. Uh, it's going to be a cracker. Your tip in that game? Uh, yeah, I'll, look, I'll, I'll go with Richmond. Um, maybe a couple of kicks. Close-ish. Yep. Yep, a couple of kicks straight to the side, like two points. Uh, no, a points. couple of kicks. So two, 12 points, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Probably specific here, Tom. No, that's, that's uh, what the listeners want. We will get now to... Is it semi-final number two, St Kilda versus... Footscray? Elimination final number two. Sorry, elimination final do number two. Their... Yep. They do first. It's, not, it's a fixture, not a draw. Um, <laughs> St Kilda, the higher ranked team on the ladder, are actually underdogs coming into this game against Footscray. Is that uh, is that due to the, the Bulldogs' uh, extra finals experience over the last few years? Yeah, look, that did stun me. I, I, thought, I knew it would be close, uh, the odds with this one, but I wasn't sure who would, uh, uh, you know, wasn't sure which way they go. Obviously, they've gone with the dogs. I think, yeah, their their finals experience helps them a little bit. Um, I mean, if you've seen the Saints, and I've seen a lot of them, we are very young, particularly in the back line. So whether or not that's going to uh, have an influence. My big thing with this game, uh, and I'll get, try and give this to the listeners in the most unbiased way I can, but don't ask uh, too much of me. But uh, the big one for this one is the ruck duel for the Saints. So Tim English, he's young, he's raw, he's coming up against Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder. If English can just break even-ish in that, even 60-40, that'll go a long way to helping the dogs. If it goes the other way and it's a total ruck domination, which it could, Rowan Marshall is absolutely flying. Paddy Ryder's been in great touch too. It's going to give the Saints that, that little bit edge that they need because I think you'd probably favour the Dogs slightly in the midfield. I know uh, the Saints have a new All-Australian in there, but the Dogs have two. So um, that'll be a crucial one to decide who wins that midfield battle. Um, the Dogs down back, Saints up forward, both pretty raw, I would say. Um, I'll be interested to see the former Caleb Daniel. And yeah, I'm also interested in the Saints backline. So, uh, you know, basically most of that backline is playing finals for the first time in, in Wilkie and Caulfield and Hunter Clark. Um, Dougal Howard played an elimination for the 
uh, power, but he he's pretty raw too. Um, Carlisle, I think, might have snuck a final or two for the Bombers. He hasn't played a lot. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on Dan Hanabry as well. We tried to bring him back. He played about 60% last game. So there, there's a lot of factors in this one. But, yeah, look, I can't go past the ruck. Um, obviously, Josh Bruce as well. So he's playing against his old side. A, a lot of stories here. Um I'm going to be interested in just how the Saints youngsters handle handle this big moment. I think getting Zach Jones back is also massive, uh, a massive in for the Saints uh, and how they balance that small forward brigade. Uh, and hopefully we see a couple of snags from Dan Butler. But w- what are your thoughts on this one, Seb, before I yap on all night? Yeah, no, that's a comprehensive Saints look at the game. Uh, I, had, I had this note and I lost my notes. Computer lost them. Um, I meant to mention off the top, it is the Josh Bruce Cup. Yep. Um, it will be forever known as that because, gee, the Saints fans talked him up and then let him walk real quick. And the dogs have brought him in and he ain't done much. Like, uh, he ain't done much over there. So I I, I was going to have the dogs as my underdog tip this week because I thought they would have been underdogs, but I thought they were going to be a good show. Obviously, I can't do that now, given the starting favourites. Uh, it's going to be a close game. I hope for you, like you individually and your supporter base as a whole, you can win this final. My concern is if it's a close game in the late stages, there's a big class in the name of one Mark Bontempelli who yeah. can win the final from the midfield. I don't know who that player is for the Saints. Someone can stand up and certainly show us. I just don't know who it is right now. Um, yeah, look, we've probably been expecting Brad Hill to step up into that moment. He's had a reasonable year. Whether or not he's had that out-and-out, you know, A-grader year that we probably expected, this is his chance to do it. I, I, I'm with you. I'm worried about the bond late, I think. Uh, particularly, I guess, given he's an All-Australian half-forward, he can kick goals. Uh, you would hope, but if he can sneak forward and kick one then uh, and get off the chain, then that's going to be very hard to stop. So, Can't you just picture the, a couple of points in at a minute to go? The Saints have just kicked a goal to get in front. There's a minute to go. You're up by two points. Ball up in the middle. English down to Bont and Pally. Kicks long. Bruce is on the end of it. Yeah. Can you, I can just see, see something I'm like with that the happening. Tap out. I don't know if he'll be getting it that easy, but look, hypothetical, obviously. But yeah, if, he, if Bruce is having a shot, maybe he'll miss. Is he more a saint than a uh, than a dog? No, obviously he wouldn't do that. I, but look, I don't. I don't mean to give you nightmares for the next yeah, five well, nights. I'm meant to sleep now. Uh, I, I can just I can just see something involving Bont and Pally at that crucial moment. And I just don't know who's going to do it for the Saints. Saying that, when you've got a young side, you need to be given the chance to step up and do it. So that's what they've got. Um, I think that'll be the closest game of the round. And I'm tipping the dogs by three points just to tip the other side. <laughs> oh, look, mate, I'll, I'll, I'll be generous in this one. Uh, what, Saints by 50-odd? No. Nah, Thanks, look, Kevin. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, that's a Kevin Bartlett song. Nah, look, um, I think maybe 10 points to the red, white, and black, being as unbiased as I can be. Very good, Tom. Final game of the round over in Perth. West Coast are playing Collingwood. Now, apparently this is breaking news. If West Coast lose the game, they're still required to hub for 14 days because Collingwood are considered, and I quote, dirty. Yep, that's the um, word used. Basically what it means is because Collingwood will have only hubbed seven days going in, 
uh, and with the strict, strict rules um, in terms of the self-isolation uh, over there in WA, uh, West Coast would have to continue hubbing for 14 days, which I find hilarious. Imagine you think you should have finished top four. You, you haven't. So you've sort of had a poor se- season in that regard. You play a final. You play Collingwood, who are pretty beat up. Like, they're, they're on their last legs. You're missing Jeremy Howe. You know, players have been in and out all year with injury. True Law's just come back. Side bottom out. Yep, side bottom's not playing. And Collingwood, not only did they roll you, which would hurt in any circumstance, you now have to sit at home on your own for 14 days stewing on yeah, that. Yeah, just stew on that result. Gee, that'd sting. Um, yeah. Having said that, I'm tipping West Coast by about 40, <laughs> 43 points. Um, yeah. I just think there's too much going against the Pies for them to even get close in this game. Yeah, so that look that's that says to me so that you you think the pies are limping into the finals. Yeah, whoever was finishing that eighth spot was limping in. Like Melbourne couldn't get there to save their lives or Simple Simon's job. Uh, the Giants couldn't do it. Let's talk Carlton were going to maybe float up and do it. Like no team wanted to finish eighth because they didn't want to have to go over and hub and then play West Coast and get smashed. That's, that's the truth. Yeah, they look, won't tell you, that's but fair. that's the truth. And flying the flag for WA. But look, it, it's still going to be a classic game. I, I, big Natanui in a final. You can't go past that. Um, how many do you think they'll get into this game? Are they, they've got restrictions, but they could still get a few. They'll probably get 25. 25 odd, um, which will be massive. I think there's there's concerns about uh, Josh Kennedy of the West Coast Variety, obviously. Um, and his, uh, I think it's hamstring. It, it, coming up for this game, so that's one to keep an eye on, but look, I'm, I'm a bit more bullish about the Pies, I think that they are still building they they just, they play better I think when they've got that, a bit like I mentioned before, Cats with a chip on the shoulder the, ply, the Pies play better when they've got that chip um, yes, we haven't seen the best form out of them but look, they've still got some great names, I know we talked about Pendles before but you know, Trelaw in there, Brody Grundy I mean, that that is the matchup again, and I've mentioned to Ruckman again, but Brody Grunny versus Nick Nat, that's it's worth watching for that one alone. Um, yes, the Pies have a few, you know, they've got a few youngsters too. Obviously, uh, I think it'll be Josh Dacos's first final, and and the I'm not sure if both rounds will play, but uh, Callum Brown and um, a few others out there. So it's going to be, I, I think the Pies could get close. I'm still tipping West Coast. I think, yeah, the home ground advantage, this one was was a bit of a sitting duck. I don't think it'll quite be 40, but I think the Pies will be sort of thereabouts and then the West Coast might just ease this one out to about 25 points, I think. So you're bullish on the Pies if they'll only get done by 25 points? (laughs) Looking back, yes. Uh, But, I mean, uh, that... that, Let me have another crack at that. Uh, Yeah, look, that doesn't sound as... I'm not cutting that out. That's in. The line's 13 and a half, Tom. Your bullish is double what the line is. Yeah, well, this is uh, coming across. Now, look, I think if they're thereabouts, I mean, I'm saying that the West Coast will pull away, but, I mean, if the Pies are thereabouts, and we don't know the conditions over there, but, you know, you, you get that sniff and they could be in the game longer than we think. And like we saw in last year's prelim, the Giants just hung in and then they got their noses in front and just held on. So, look, maybe the Pies will do that. I don't think they will, um, but I'm not going to be surprised if they get close in that one and pinch it. Right. Now... Let's let's we've just sort of previewed all four games. Let's just knock out the underdog tipping while we're here. Um, I'm going to take Geelong at two fifteen, given their underdogs. Um, I, I, as we discussed, I think they're primed to, to sort of beat the power. I think the matchups there for them. 
um, the home ground advantage is the main thing going against them. But, um, yeah, look, I'm going to take too long at 2.15. You've got three options left, Tom. Brisbane, St Kilda, or the Bullish Pies. So what what are the uh, Lions paying? I'm I'm interested in the two dollars and eight cents. Right, a killer of two dollars and eight five cents. I'll give you two ten about them both. Yeah, look, I'll take two ten on the Lions. I I need to get a win on the board. It's been a while between drinks. I think the last one I got was the Swans beating the Giants. So I need to get back on the board. I think Lions at home, um, two ten might be unders, but I'll take it. Very good, very good. Now. We, we didn't really talk about this. Have you got a stat of the week for us? Yeah, so um, not not a whole lot of footy this weekend. So I, I dived into the last few seasons just to see who kicked. I mean, Tomahawk got the Coleman, but I wanted to see who kicked the most goals uh, between 2017 and 2020. So basically uh, the last four seasons. And Big Tomah is actually top of that list. But the man I wanted to find out was Ben Brown who was second, he's kicked 196 goals in the last four years, which puts him behind Thomas 209. So he, he is actually an elite forward in our game when we're talking trade. We're talking as if he's this dinosaur that no one wants, but the bloke can kick goals and do it a lot, uh, consistently. So uh, he would have been leading, I guess, at the start of the year before Thomas swamped it. So he is underappreciated, dare I say, Ben Brown in some respects. That is true. I think you'll find Josh J. Kennedy was third on the list. Correct. And he has the high average per game on that list, if I'm not mistaken. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. They're good numbers. Um, yeah. It, look, the Ben Brown one's interesting. It's who knows what's going to happen. Part of me, and this is the North Melbourne supporter coming out, is hoping the club has an inside track on his actual medical report and knows his knees are no good. Um, and it's going to become a real issue. Like, like, this is what happens when you're supportive. You're a fan. A fan's a good way to put it because you're a fanatic. Yeah. Fan is short yes, for fanatic. You, you and you'll talk a... yourself into absolutely anything to make yourself feel better. Like, you'll tell yourself Butler's going to kick four to help yourself sleep on, on Friday night. Um, it's just what we do. So, um, look, the, the Ben Brown one's interesting because if you had have spoken to me at the start of the year, I'd be telling you how Ben Brown is elite and he's kicked more goals in the comp than anyone else over the past three years and here we are six months later. Oh, you know, his knees might be dodgy. Let's get him out. Let's get something for him. And it's just, that's footy. It's like it, things change. Exactly. And he's held his, his spot there at second on the list despite barely kicking a goal this year. So that just sort of shows he had a little bit of a gap also on the comp in that sense. So just a little stat to go out on, mate. 100%. Now, look, you could call it a stat. You could call it not a stat. Do you know today, the 28th of September, is, what is it, 24 or 25? 24 years to the day since the AFL handed out the first and only gold premiership cup. I did and actually see that on uh, Corey McKernan's Twitter account, to be honest. He posted something about it today. Yep, yep. He uh, had a rough week in terms of injury and losing a Brownlow in the lead-up, but got the flag. Um, and it's obviously 24 years to the day since I first attended a grand final. There you go. You were there as a young... You would have been seven. You wouldn't have turned eight just yet. Young seven-year-old in the crowd. Where where were you sitting? Can you remember? Uh, first, bottom bottom floor. About fifteen rows back. Fifteen rows back. No, nah, not not bad. No, nah, that that's a, uh, which stand? Whoa. 
AFL members. Yeah, AFL members. Was so you would have been great Southern. Yeah, yeah, I was in the Southern stand. Yeah, I don't remember much about that day. I was too young. Yeah. I'm just glad I can say I was there. <laughs> and you lifted the Gold Cup, which is the one and only one we've seen. Um, well, that, that's, a, that's a happy note to go out on. I'm hoping this time next week I'll have a Saints victory to talk about. That's what I can hang my hat on. But um, as always, uh, get on our social media and our email inbox. We want to hear from you. Obviously, lots of topics covered, so lots of questions, and we're happy to answer them all. Send them through.